Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Eloise Clark, and you are listening to the Untick the Box podcast, the show that aims to shine a light on underrepresented voices across industries. We'll offer raw, honest advice and insights to anyone, whether you're just starting your career or you're already 10 years in. It's a chance to celebrate wins, losses, and ultimately the moments that lead people to success. And we'll speak to a range of people from different sectors who have overcome various barriers to arrive at where they are today and who are doing important work to make their industries more inclusive. Like what you hear? Make sure to subscribe. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, I am delighted to welcome Sarah Waddington, CBE, to the podcast today. She's currently the Managing Director at Astute Work and is an expert in public relations and management consultancy, for which she has received numerous accolades from some of the industry's key governing bodies and was awarded her CBE in June 2021 for services to the public relations and voluntary sectors. Having built a reputation as an ethics art and diversity and inclusivity champion, she is a strong advocate of accountable leadership and women in business and believes in helping young talent break through. She spearheaded and led the Chartered Institute for Public Relations' gender policy work from 2014 onwards and in 2018 launched a joint initiative to improve social mobility within the industry. In 2021, she co-founded Socially Mobile, a non-for-profit PR school aimed at helping practitioners from lower socioeconomic backgrounds and underrepresented and underserved groups to increase their earning potential. As well as all of that, and you might be surprised she's got the time to do it, Sarah's also done various volunteer and charity work, including driving strategic direction at trust as a trustee for the Sunshine Fund that supports children with disabilities and was a member of the NHS's organ donation advisory panel, which secured royal assent for a change in the law in April 2020. Obviously, there is so much there, but thank you so much, Sarah. What an impressive kind of career to date. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for inviting me on the podcast. It's really a pleasure to be here. You are welcome, and it's a pleasure to have you. So I guess, as I mentioned, there's obviously so much there and such impressive work. I think it would be great for people to understand kind of what your background was and maybe what's driven you to work on some of those initiatives and and kind of your career today. Absolutely. And like I say, thanks so much for having me on. Um, It's an interesting one because how did I get here today? It's uh, There was never a clear career path, I can um, tell you that much. Um, what I do know is that I'm, I was from a single parent family, we didn't have a lot of money. And um, I was quite clear after I went to university that I wanted to get a job in PR, that's where my heart lay. But um, it was quite difficult. And I had to, unlike some people who were able to stay where they studied, I ended up having to come back home um, because of financial issues and stay at home and um, look for a job from there. I guess it's probably much more normal these days because graduates have it pretty hard. But back then, you know, we had a little bit more freedom and most people went off and got a job in a nice big city, nice big job and and started their career prospects that way. Um, Anyway, long long story short, um, came back to the Northeast, uh, no regrets there, um, got my first job. And that's kind of where my career in PR started moved around a bit, got some uh, marketing experience as well, did my MA, uh, did that part-time while working full-time and um, gradually just moved around around different agencies until I set my own agency up. Um, I guess I think probably where the the questions will come from is how did I get to do all these other things on the side? And I think that's been driven by my personal experiences of how I found my career as I progressed up and also 
um, the, this drive that I have, this motivation that I got to a certain point and I wanted to be able to put back because I couldn't have got to where I am without helping hands along the way. And I decided that that was the kind of legacy that I wanted to, to leave, that as I moved up, I would take people with me too. And that's very much been uh, a mantra of mine from the very beginning. Um, so it, it's been good and my, and my career has been very diverse, but I would certainly say it hasn't necessarily been easy. And people... I'll just finish on this bit by saying that people often perhaps meet me and they see me as, you know, people would say, oh, she's a PR leader, she's a PR influencer and she's well known, which I am. I've got a great network now and I'm very grateful for that. But before I got involved with CIPR, before um, I married my husband, who's also very well known in, in the PR circles, I didn't really have that bigger network outside of the Northeast. And when I went to London, I didn't really know any of the big names. I didn't know the big agencies. And also, I, I stuck out like a thumb. Like I saw a thumb, you know, this, this girl with not very much money with a Geordie accent, you know, in the middle of London. And I get to meetings and I feel like a total imposter. And I could only ever hear my accent ringing against all these lovely London ones. And um, that in itself is difficult, but it really helps because it helps you recognise the barriers that others may face. And I still had more privileges ever at that point than others. And like I say, I think that's a really good starting point for when you want to put back. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, I guess one thing... I'd like to know, so obviously you've spoken about you came from a single, per, uh, single parent background and kind of low social economic background. Um, you've founded, co-founded, sorry, Social Mobile in 2021. What drove you to doing that last year? What, was there anything specific that kind of made you take the plunge? And obviously you've had your personal experiences that inspired you, but was there anything else uh, along the way? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's something that I've been looking at for quite a long time. So um, I was president of the Chartered Institute of Public Relations. And um, before that, so that's kind of like a three year tenure because you do president, elect president and then past president. And um, but before that, I've been involved for quite a long time at board and council level. And um, as part of that, you know, the horizons of scanning and then the knowledge that you need to gain, there was very much looking at what was happening within the industry and the different industry reports. And of course, we've got the PRCA census, which is a brilliant uh, resource and the state of the profession that the CIPR does. Uh, and uh, there's other creative industry reports. And what was becoming increasingly clear to me and a massive bone of contention personally was that our industry was becoming very much a closed shop. So, um, you know, unless you were pretty much white middle class uh, or, or above with a private education, it was it's getting it was getting harder and harder to get into the industry. You know, if you if you didn't have the network, you didn't have somewhere you could stay. Game over, basically. And um, so, obviously, I tried to use my position to influence within the organisations I was working with, including the CIPR. Obviously, it's got a very wide remit and it is a, this issue is of huge uh, importance to it, but it is limited ultimately by its resources of what it can do. And so I know that work was afoot both at PRCA and CIPR, but it clearly just wasn't enough. And um, so I started to look at what the intervention could be that might help. And so probably from... 2017-18 this is something that had been ticking over in my mind and then um CIPR's presidency is actually a voluntary role so it's, it's like intense so you, you know you've got your family I've got you know, we've got five kids between us um you've got your busy you've got your busy business and um, obviously, I was running uh, the Future Proof platform as well, which was to reassert public relations as a strategic management function. 
Um, but once I stepped down from CIPR, obviously that creates um, a t- some time that you didn't have before. And I just thought, you know what, now's the time to to do this. And I started to formulate plans in 2019 and then the pandemic came and obviously everything was put on hold. But it was really good because it meant that Steve and my husband and the co-founder could sit down, look at it and say, OK, what does this actually look like? If we're to create a, a, a private sector intervention. How does it work? What's it look like? And it was good because it meant that we changed it from being what was going to be a more traditional charity type structure where we did big fundraising drives and people could come and ask for funding and then go and do a qualification that suited. We completely changed it and turned it on its head. And we created the syllabus ourselves. We brought in the teachers um, and um, we created this platform that was much more suited to our industries. And we knew that we could have quality control across it. And so that people would be able to come in uh, be able to over 10 weeks have quite an intensive someone called it an SAS course which makes me laugh intensive 10-week program whereby they'd be able to use the tactical experience that they've got but actually be able to take a step back and understand what it means to move into that more strategic role when they can increase their earning potential and that's kind of how it how it came about um, and we're just really grateful to everybody who got involved from the beginning so we had um Stephen and I put in the initial seed capital and then we had sponsors join us, our co-founding sponsors. Um, and then we have wonderful, wonderful teachers and markers and assessors who, um, for the most part, are all giving their time free of charge. And, you know, it's it's significant. This is a big collaborative project and it's making an industry difference now. And we're thrilled. So we're on cohort two and we know at least three, if not more, of um, the first cohort have already got new jobs. It's, and it's not all about getting new jobs necessarily, but they've all got um, new jobs. And um, the second cohort are really enjoying it. And we've got a lovely diversity of people so we've got people who have paid uh, for their places or have been sponsored on them and then we've got a, a really healthy number of people who are fully funded and um who really deserve their places and they might be from similar situations to, to my personal one as it as it was um some have disabilities some are, are neurodiverse and it's it's just wonderful to see we have women returners you know and it's all the people that we really wanted Amazing. on the course and um it's just it's fantastic and my big ambition, and people say, what do you want to do with it next? And actually, my big ambition is to get to a point where we're just not needed. Why We shouldn't be needed, you know, in this day and age, but we are. And there's a number of different interventions happening, um, you know, across the industry. There's a fantastic, uh, this is Blueprint uh, initiative. Um, you've got Leader Like Me. Um, so there are lots of things that are plugging a gap. But hopefully, as we work together collaboratively in the long term, it will create the change that we need to, to see. I mean, that's amazing. Such brilliant work. So you said you're on your second cohort. How many people have you actually seen come through it then now since you've started? So, yeah, so we had, I think it was, don't call me, but it was, it's there or thereabouts. I think it was 17 in our first one mm. and we have a similar number on the second. That's amazing. Uh, so it's just great. So, um, yeah, ultimately we, we, we've we kept the numbers quite low in the first instances because we wanted to prove the learning model and make sure the experience was meaningful. Um, the overwhelming feedback is that it is, um, but we are looking at how and if we scale because, like I say, these cohort numbers work really nicely. They've got a private community on Guild, um, thanks to the lovely Michelle Goodall, and it seems to work quite nicely in terms of it. It seems to be a good number. I mean, and the other thing we need to consider is resource. So if we scale, you need more markers, you need more assessors, you need more of pretty much everything, and that includes sponsorship. And we've just got to be mindful that we want to make this sustainable and just keep it going. So we've opened uh, applications for the next cohort, which will run in, in the autumn. But um, yeah, so uh, we'll probably keep again 
well, we'll look at we'll look at interest, but um, we'll probably keep to the same numbers again. Thank you so much for kind of explaining that. It's obviously such a brilliant initiative, and I imagine in the future it's just going to continue to grow because I it definitely is still needed. And all that I mean, I really admire your vision. Is let's hope one day that it's not needed, but it's great that these kind of initiatives exist at the moment to give people that foot in the door when they need to. I think what's frustrating right now is like people say to me. Um, oh look where the diversity figures are improving across the industry well they yeah. are but the problem is we're still not uh, for example um, we're still not seeing people move up into senior positions so if you look at the numbers of black asian ethnic minority people who are moving up they're still very limited and so these yeah. people who come through i hope will be the ones who achieve that change and you know there is a little bit of an element where I think you have to recognise as a generational issue, but we're we're on the cusp of that, and we've you know we've got to be there soon. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what do you think? I would kind of dig into that a little bit. What do you think's the kind of some of the key barriers that that are facing uh, and preventing people from moving up uh, from underrepresented backgrounds? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, I think the most controversial answer, but I think the realistic uh, answer is that there is ingrained systemic racism across the industry. I don't necessarily think it's necessarily deliberate all the time or overt, but it is there mm. because otherwise we wouldn't be facing the issues that we're facing. We wouldn't be seeing the data that we're seeing. Uh, and I think part of the issue is that we just don't think in general terms, long term and strategically about how we recruit and retain uh, our talent so um for example what will often happen and i get that you know you're driven by commercial levers but um rather than thinking who are we wanting within our team how do we represent the publics we serve how are we going to attract that talent what will often happen is someone will leave someone will get sick you'll win a new piece of work what happens is you very quickly go out to the marketplace and you've probably got a standards criteria that you expect from um that you expect from those candidates but you won't necessarily get the diversity of candidate that you should be expecting or that you should should actually want to attract. Mm. And, and that's because we don't build enough relationships in the communities that we should we should be in. So it will often be, so for example, for me, and I will use myself as an example, had it been five, ten years ago, my network, if you'd gone on Twitter, would have been very white and very similar to me. Thankfully now I've worked really hard to to change that. And and it's and it's pretty diverse but I've had to work at that and that's really important to do it's an individual responsibility so I think there's an issue with how we and where we recruit our talent from and then this is the thing as, as, as we've talked about already you know you can go into an organization and what happens if you don't see another black or brown face or you know if your culture is very different to to uh, the culture of the business is very different to your own culture mm. and I can I can again speak from my point of view you know I've been in big agencies where like I said I felt very uncomfortable just because I didn't have any shared experiences with the people I was with because I was from a single parent family who hadn't had very much money so when people were talking about their private school or the holidays they'd been on or the hobbies that they did I couldn't I had nothing to share because that was not my lived experience. Yeah. And so you can start to understand how difficult it gets for people. Because if you go into an office and you look around and think, wow, there is nothing here for me and I don't know 
how do I fit in? I don't. You know, that that makes you can see why we lose really good talent. The attrition rates can be quite high. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's like I say, there's this big issue about we need to recognize that people like me who are white bosses um and also just be just be more thoughtful and create the opportunities and it's not as if people want any different opportunity they just want the chance to progress on merit Mm. and basically that's what people are looking for and we have to create those opportunities completely agree and I think that the point you made about not actually reaching those communities I think is a huge one uh because yeah there's we're kind of fishing around the same talent pool or at least have done historically and um, we actually had a conversation uh, as part of the team at Milk and Honey. It was kind of like, well, how did we get into the industry? How did we kind of hear about it? And a lot of us, it was really kind of, we stumbled upon it. It's not a career, for example, that's often spoken about in schools. And so kind of those tradi- some cultures that might prioritise the traditional career routes, then they're just never kind of hearing about this as an industry as well. There's so much work to do in actually advertising it, I suppose. And that's a really important point, you know, because, um, sorry to interrupt, but that's you, you've hit the nail on the head there because the other thing about recruitment is that we'll often go out and we expect people to have a certain level of training mm-hmm. and education. And that is kind of a little bit counterintuitive now. And I totally appreciate this takes a longer term um approach and it takes more investment but ultimately if you really want the right brightest talent you have to be prepared to say you know what some of those people might have left school at 16 Mm -hmm. with very few qualifications it doesn't mean they're not capable or incredibly able it just means that their circumstances are different but then the question is how do you find those people how do you recruit them and then there is a great admittedly there's a greater investment in that training to get them up to where somebody who might have done a degree is you know at that, that same level but that that's fine and that's important and that's what we should be doing in my view that would be what I would consider to be best practice it's just not it's just not commonplace and um you're exactly right in terms of you know getting to schools uh and and educating them about public relations as a career as um CIPR president one of the things I did during that year in 2018 was I got the CIPR and the PRCA to work together with um a company called Career Ready and Career Ready um work with industry bodies to get information about particular sectors and they take it into schools in disadvantaged areas so they have the latest information about so for example and what PR looks like and what it means for them and they help connect those students who might want an internship or you know a works with experience with with um, PR teams who can provide it so I, I felt like that was a good start and a potential intervention but that happened over one year and unfortunately with things like this it needs a much yeah. more widespread consistent approach and it needs decent investment over years it's it's not something you can just do as a one-off project and and because ho- basically just hoping for the best and hoping that, that you can make some change in that year it, it, it's just that's just not enough it's good but it's not yeah enough. yeah completely agree I think a lot of these as you say, these strategies and, and actions that we're taking are long term, unfortunately. But at the end of the day, there are people that are wanting to get into the industry now. And so we need to find solutions that, that will solve that, I suppose. Um, and, and I think what you're doing and, and that kind of social mobile, socially mobile, sorry, and other organisations like that are really providing those uh, kind of specific tools that people need to get into the industry. And, and so... Yeah, I really admire that and and thank you for what you're doing for the communities. 
Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So, you know, it really matters to Stephen and I, you know, you, you don't do it as a side hustle. Mm. Um, obviously, set up as a community interest company, we, money goes in, we don't take anything out. Yeah. But it's it's because it's really needed and it matters. And, um, you know, it's just wonderful to have had the support with the learning platform that everybody's put in. And, you know, a lot of people care about this. You know, we talk a lot about how much lip service is paid to these issues, big, big, big systemic issues like this. And, and there is there's a lot of talk about it. But genuinely, I think since the Black Lives um a matter movement and um and me too I, I feel like there's been a quite a systemic shift within our industry and yeah I, I, I we still have a lot of work to do but I do I hate to use this term but I feel the, the needle has moved a little bit I hate that expression <laughs> I can't believe I used it but um I, I do feel I feel like there has been change and, and the the pressure now is to keep that momentum up so we don't stop or slide backwards yeah absolutely I mean we could talk about social mobile all day I honestly think it's <laughs> a brilliant organization but I, I also want to really go into um some of the gender policy work you've done as well and I know that you are as you've already mentioned a mother and I just would like to know kind of how that's played into your career today have you found it challenging being a mother or, or maybe trying to be a mother uh, in your earlier uh, part of your career uh, to as you kind of progress through the career ladder yeah it's a great question and um, I defy anybody who is a working parent to say that they've got uh, the, the magic working because it's a daily juggle um, but yes I think um, as a female leader and looking back now, I can definitely say that um, there have been, well, I found many challenges for me along the way, which which actually did, like I say, inspire me and motivate me to, to try and make some changes, which is why, you know, from 2014, as you say, I was very happy to lead for the president at the time, uh, the, gen, uh, the gender policy work at the CIPR. Um, that was very much about um, how... Uh, we look at the gender pay gap but also about how do we deal with um, women returners when they came back to the industry because the PR industry loses very talented mm -hmm. um, um, mid to senior women at an alarming rate it's, it's appalling and it's still happening uh, and it's because we just I'd be interested to see actually what the data shows post pandemic and, and this move to hybrid working but well, we've never really accommodated the changing needs um, appropriately and of course we're still in a society whereby it is women unfortunately he still for the most part generally shoulder the bigger um burden at home mm -hmm. with parenting and you know just managing the house as well alongside the work and you know, there's so many things that fall into that the, the fact there's no shared parental leave is the biggest one if, if that was happen I think we would radically change how things work and who is the bigger earner and how everything's done and if we were able to solve the childcare bill issue that would be great because at the moment childcare bills are the one are one of the biggest things holding women back mm -hmm. but but certainly um for me I, I just found it very difficult going back to my early career to work out when the best time because I was ambitious, when would be the best time to have a baby? And then when I decided that just to go ahead and do it, I then found I wasn't quite so easy and ended up having years and years of fertility treatment and um, miscarriages and IVF along the way, which is also unsuccessful. 
And I, I just think what I learned is that, as an, again, as an industry, and I don't think it's novel to PR, that in the past we haven't been terribly sensitive or helpful to women going through those kind of journeys. And actually we have to recognise that this, has happened, this happens and it's real life. And for me, it's really heartening to say that there are smaller, mid-sized agencies. And some of the big ones in certainly public sector are doing much better in this space and having policies that are help and thoughtful and help manage the, the mental health issues that go around this and of course the issue um that goes with that hand in hand is um it's great if you're in an organization that's supportive and you can talk about it my experience was that i was in an organization with a culture where to be honest it was frowned upon and they didn't really want women to go off and on maternity leave because it's a cost to the business Uh, and ultimately what happened for me uh, and this happens to many people is that i decided that i wasn't going to get very far where I was uh, and I wanted I didn't I feel there was like a glass ceiling that I was banging my head against and so ultimately I left to start my own business mm. and um, I decided that was going to be my baby <laughs> and of course very classic tale started up uh, what is now astute.work and uh, I got pregnant immediately in the same month naturally and then I was told I wouldn't have another baby and then I got pregnant seven months later so I had two kids on the bounce 16 months between them and in a very early stage business but um so I can talk very much about you know how much more we need to do to make workplaces inclusive and uh, understanding while understanding the commercial imperatives um but also that after bit where um these days I actually advise um, both businesses and and uh, owner managers of creative agencies on on dealing with overwhelm because mm. that whole overwhelm thing is is very challenging and it can be damaging and it can really 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 have a massive impact on people's health and happiness and well-being and so um I've got quite a number of clients who who take consultancy from me on 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 around that because it's it's critical and it actually manages to unlock their happiness which manages to unlock more than they can do at home and more than they can do at work and often this is going to sound crazy it's by stripping stuff out it's working out what Mm. the priorities are and what you really don't need to do as much as you really do need to do I mean I think that's key yeah. That was a bit of a mishmash. We went around the houses there, didn't we? And there was quite a lot in that five minutes or however long I spoke for. But uh, it's interesting, though, because because my career has kind of taken me in different. My, I guess, my I'm trying to say my personal experiences have taken my career in different directions, and I'm very much motivated about understanding what my situation was and hopefully preventing other people having similar experiences yeah and I mean thanks for sh- for honestly going through that I'm happy to listen to you for five minutes it's all good <laughs> but um I mean it's it's true though I think it's natural that your own experiences uh do reflect kind of the career choices that you make and I'm power to you for being able to uh start your own business and and kind of working from your ethics and values um and I guess you you touched on some of the techniques or, or at least some of the yeah the techniques that you would go through to mm. um kind of manage that well-being is there anything that you took personally that you've now kind of implemented as part of your uh business or and to to ensure that that women and I guess single dads as well or parents have in um to to, to manage their workload as well as their family life 
Yeah, I've got a really great exercise that I do with people at the very beginning, and it's one that I use, and I and it's one that um, it's really helpful to go back to on a fairly regular basis. And and anybody who's a coach out there who's listening will recognise this one. Um, there's something called the Wheel of Life, and if anybody Google's it, you can have a go yourself. But it's a really lovely tool to help you feel in better in control of your life rather than it controlling you. And um, that's certainly that's something that I've experienced before. I sometimes think, why is there are times where you think, why is everything else dictating how I live my life rather than me dictating? Mm. Um, and this is a really great way to kind of set your head straight and think about um, what you're doing and why. And you basically just draw uh, a circle and you cut it into like... Um, well, I always say like a camembert wheel or um, if you think yeah. trivia pursuits, I don't know if that no, makes no, me no, old <laughs> into, <laughs> into eight parts. And you basically write in um, things that really matter to you. And that could be a range of things. It could be could be your partner, could be your kids, could be career, could be health, could be, you can put whatever you like in there, could be hobbies, you yeah. know what I mean? The things that matter to you that you want to spend mm-hmm. time doing. Um, and then um, you then draw another circle around that. And um, you basically, um, well, actually, what you do next is you actually give it, uh, give each of those things a score. So if you think about one being the poorest to 10, what what are you doing well at? So, I mean, I did this not, not this long ago, actually. I've got one in front of me. You probably heard me shuffling papers. I was just pulling, yeah, I was pu- pulling in the one I did out the other day. So I had uh, love relationship with my kids, uh, wealth, health, contribution to society, career. There's just a few of the ones that I've got on my sheet. And then you you um, you mark it and you say, okay, where, what, what's, what am I doing really well on? So they're the closest to the 10 and what am I doing poorly on? And then you you basically look at the ones where you're not scoring well and you draw the second circle and then you write down what your goal would be. So if, because you're not doing well, what would good look like? What, you know, what how would, would it take you to get to that next stage? Um, and then what you then do is you draw a final circle around that and you write down what three actions will help you get there. And it's a very, very simple tool, but it actually really starts to make you look and you think, okay, what what what's my priority right now and the reason you should do it regularly is because your priorities change so uh in one month it might be actually i want to get a new job so my career is most important so you have to prioritize that so you might say right i'm going to my three steps are um to i don't know register with a coach um update my cv a register on job portals uh, and it might you, you know you, and it might be like so they then, they then look at that and think actually I'm going to spend less time going out socializing with my friends in order to mm-hmm. achieve that so it's just like I say it's a really good visualization tool that starts to make you think okay what what matters to me and then you start you, you can start to build your daily and weekly actions around that so you then start to look at your diary and say okay well my priority this week is whatever it might be what fits in with that so what are the things I need to do to make sure that happens and then what do I strip out because actually that's less of a priority right now in my life and it's a, it's just great because like I say it's it's very thoughtful and it just helps you rebalance or work out perhaps where there are some imbalances that you need to address and I always find that again it gives me I feel like I'm a bit back in control and uh, immediately gives me some equilibrium that I might have been lacking because, and, then I, and I feel like I'm doing something towards it, which gives me immediately uplift in my, in my mood and, and mental health. I absolutely love that. I should definitely be stealing that and, <laughs> and using that for myself. It's yeah. great, you know. It's just as simple as a tool, three, three wheels. You mark the inside one when you decide your priorities. You then write your goal and you write three actions. And it's no more than that. And you keep it as simple as possible. It's, it's not meant to be big in depth. 
you mm-hmm. know piece of work but you know if you do it once a quarter um like I say your priorities will change but you can see also the progress that you're making and do it I always say baby steps as yeah. well you know when you've got big things if you're saying I need a career change you can't <laughs> do that overnight you've got to build that bit by bit otherwise otherwise you're going to be overwhelmed yeah again yeah exactly <laughs> well I mean it depends on on obviously which business you work for or, or stuff but sometimes you do have quarterly reviews and I just think that's a great technique that not only could you do personally but I think bring that into some kind of career reviews as well if you're having a, a conversation with your line manager for example I just think that's a great tool and I'm definitely going to be bringing that in. <laughs> yeah, and no, there's loads of tools you can use for that as well. But it's just really good. And some of them, it's just good as well for your well-being. So you might score well on all of them, which means it's great. And then that, that feeling of looking at that and recognising that everything's in balance mm. can give you a really good feeling of gratitude and reward. And I think that's also important. But you get that as well as you move forward closer to your goals. So Yeah, it's brilliant. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I guess on that point, in terms of... Kind of what you do, I mean, that's like a great uh, kind of way for kind of personal development as well and taking a step back. And I don't think we reflect enough uh, on ourselves. And in fact, maybe the pandemic, one of the few good things that came out of it was was maybe that people had the time to take stock and reflect a little bit more. But I guess in terms of uh, everyday life, are there any things that you do to decompress and, and relax that you'd kind of give as, as tips to other people? Yeah, I think um, I, I think most people would recognise this. I don't, I don't know whether they build it in or not, but I think um, meditation can mm-hmm. be really good and it doesn't have to be very long. I think, again, back to that overwhelm, when I'm working with clients, sometimes just taking, there's two things I, I would suggest like when you're in the office, in an office scenario, um, sometimes just taking, it could be anything between one and 10 minutes, depending on how often how practiced you are at it actually doing a a short meditation at your desk can just take you completely out of whatever's going around you and just give you even if it's just a couple of minutes of complete mental rest that brings you back and makes you a little bit more refreshed as you start again the other thing is I think what everybody should do and in their work and home life is we've forgotten to build in flow to create flow and build in fun you know if you look at schools they're the whole day is structured in a certain way they don't go in and for seven hours straight yeah, work yeah. at a desk having a sandwich at lunchtime <laughs> and sitting yeah. on zoom calls they don't they have breaks they ha- and, and they do different things and that, that reinforce the learning in different ways and with this whole society's approach to more 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 and more technology which is supposedly makes life easier actually the technology may have like made life easier in many ways it's also created an awful lot of challenges and problems in others so you know like we're all uber connected we're all on social media on multiple mm. channels one of the things that i do you asked about what i do to decompress uh i take time off social although you might say looking at your feet so I don't believe you but um the other thing I do which I think is really important for me and if I don't do it my mental health plummets immediately is exercise I really I really have a dog we go out three times a day but on top of that I'll try and get to the gym uh, I have I have a lot of energy it's like you know people say how do you do everything but, and, and, and even my my husband when he first met me he said god you do holidays like you do work and I was like I don't know what that means he said like you're full on I was like I don't know how to be any other way I just approach everything with a lot of energy um so like if I don't I have to burn that off somehow so like I'm mentally always boo 150 in the morning and the same with like the body so I am um, I really important to me I do it I'll do it at least once a week I'll do a combat class and Ooh, I'll probably nice. do a body pump class uh and like I say with the dog and everything but um uh, and I try to get to yoga yoga is 
my feeling it's really good for me everybody tells me this mm. but uh, <laughs> I get I do it's probably the one that I would drop even though it's the one Gosh, I need I'm the, the same. most so, you know, <laughs> but no, 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 no as I've learned especially with the consultants who are clients around the overwhelm and all the books and the research I've read those moments of peace of finding flow of you know building times where you literally do nothing so I'm terrible if I've got 10 minutes I'll think oh I better check the guild community to see if there's any messages I need to do or I'll put a wash on yeah the things that you mustn't do are those things you put everything away you do 10 minutes of as the industry expression goes fuck off you literally <laughs> you don't go and do the washing up you don't clean the bathroom you don't put a wash on you sit down and read a chapter of the book that you've been looking at that's gathering dust or you walk to the park because you can and you sit in a swing just because it's fun actually despite it doesn't matter that you're 45 and you look a bit weird <laughs> it's actually just fun but you do something that's deliberately just mm. nothing that brings you joy and a bit of peace and we've we've totally lost that but it's really it just shows you when the people I work with once they start to do these things and they're small changes that you have to work at and you mustn't mm. lose I mean it is something you just think about oh, I'll I can't do that today I'm too busy the too busy thing is our biggest problem um and you can you can always find the time and it's funny that once you start to do that and and you get a bit more objectivity and you're happier and you can breathe out again then you can see where else you can strip things out that you've just been doing because it felt important but you couldn't explain why these are this is and these are really important changes that you make that are systemic and structured that actually bring people a lot of peace in the longer longer term. I feel inspired. I'm going to be doing all of these. <laughs> flow, flow, flow and fun, fun. The two Fs. Yeah. Honestly, flow and fun. It's really important. <laughs> when, when we, you know, like, it's very easy in, like I say, modern modern agency life or modern mm. PR life. You know, we're you know we're busy people. We're responsive. We're people pleasers. You know, there was a lot to be said for just restructuring saying no and, and building those two things a hundred percent I actually had a conversation there was someone I spoke to he kind of he came into and gave a talk on well-being and he mentioned finding your light and I think that was you kind of touched on that really it's like yeah. doing one thing it's the same yeah, thing exactly doing it's you know what though people you know that that the light inside is the thing that starts to go out or it gets a bit mm. wavy you know like like a candle blowing in the wind it's like it, you know some people you sometimes you wake up after like a few months I've got to say I found the pandemic quite difficult I hadn't realized until I come out the other side and I just hadn't realized how tired I was and I was really questioning why I felt the way I did and it's we'd lost some of that flow and we we've always been remote working so for 13 years we've we've worked remotely um but we so we were able to help um clients upskill and get and get to do the same but all of a sudden, what was bizarre was we would have been out all the time going to clients' offices and remote working, perhaps working from there or taking them out for lunch. So like everybody else, we still missed the, the, the interact, contact. Yeah. And we hadn't yeah, and we hadn't done the seven hours of Zoom. And I just really found that terribly exhausting. But there was no time to, you know, barely get a sandwich and go to the toilet, let alone go outside and, you know, sit in the back garden in the sun and just raise your face to the warmth, you know. And, and the, you know, that's that's everybody has to try and get back I kind of that and community because um we tend to operate in in silos like if you look around neighborhoods you know most people used to know everybody who lived around them and that that doesn't happen so much anymore and I think that's something that we've we've lost but that's a that's a story for another day <laughs> I know, we'll, we'll go on episode 10 and come back and talk about that <laughs> Um, no I mean yeah I completely agree with everything you just said there there's definitely some really useful 
tips for people to do and and I guess it's just a lesson as try and do one thing that gives that kind of brings you light or brings you joy every day really and get that back into your routine oh gosh amazing I'm I'm having such a good time talking to you we could go on for ages (laughs) (laughs) the other thing on the other side is to get to the end of the day and once you've done that write down and this does help and I used to write like I would I'm terrible I'm terribly I used to be terribly cynical and I would roll my eyes and everybody people said this to me but um just this gratitude mm, journal yeah. like getting up or at the beginning of the end of every day looking for the good things that happen and what you're grateful for and that can be just I got through the day <laughs> or my kids finally went to sleep or it could be I landed a client today that was absolutely mm. marvelous or um do you know what I'm really that piece of work I absolutely smashed it or I made a really good dinner tonight oh I managed to build flow into my day and we went out the park at lunchtime and I got an ice cream it could you know it could be very simple it could be very simple or I managed to I found time to ring my nana and what a wonderful conversation we had you know I love I mean actually something we do at milk and honey every Friday we call it fizzy Friday because why not (laughs) Um, we all come together at the end of the week and everyone's encouraged to share three things that they're you know that they were proud of or happy of and then one thing they're looking forward to for the following week and it's a really good exercise because, as you say, when you when you kind of Amazing. go back and think about it a bit, you might have gone, oh, God, this week was tiring. I'm tired. It's a Friday. I can't be bothered. But actually, when you're forced to kind of yeah. go in and go, oh, actually, let me think about the, you know, three things that are positive. And, and it does then go, oh, oh, I've actually done quite a lot this week or, you know, I've achieved more than I realized. It's really good yeah. that. We forget, we forget to do that as well. So often, again, one of the one of the tools and the exercises that I'll do with um, clients will to say, right, let's let's write down things that you've achieved because you know sometimes you're so busy during the day. You know, they, like for me, I've had days where I've barely got the dog out. I've got one kid at school. I'm driving back. The other one's forgotten something. Or I've missed the bus. You've got to get back. You know, you feel like you've run a marathon by the time you mm. get to your desk, and then you've got a, like a crisis issue. Then you you know you just bumble from one thing. To the other and you come to the end and you basically feel like a shit you've just done a shit job all around not quite a great mum you haven't quite quite been a great consultant you know you've got through the day but actually when you start to break it down that 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 causes a lot of confidence issues for people so this time they feel pulled from pillar to post and that's why stripping back and creating flow and fun is important but the other like I say writing down or just recognizing the achievements big or small of getting through the week you know did your kid I mean sometimes it's as simple as did you get them to school fed in clean clothes and were they happy? That's a win. And then you've got to recognise that sometimes it's as simple yeah. as that. Sometimes it's, it's it's much, much bigger. But um, we, we, we're so busy, we sometimes forget to do that. So the fact that you've built that into your work week and you can all celebrate with each other as well, it's just, it's just wonderful. And we should do that more. And I love it on like social media when you see people delighting in other people's success. Yeah. And, I, and I think, you know, people talk about, Twitter, for example, being a cesspit, but actually I also see an awful lot I of do too, and people yeah. who would maybe be isolated or working on their own get a lot of got a positive feedback and that's how it should be. That's what that's what we're here for. We should we should have each other's back. I agree. Um, absolutely. Well, I mean, we could talk for, for ages. Clearly we could both talk for Britain and but I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um but I guess uh, kind of one thing I'd maybe to end on is is what advice would you give to to your younger self if, if you know starting knowing what you know now and, and as you were starting out and then finally what what would be the advice you'd give to others wanting to get into this industry oh, okay so I think 
I'm terrible for putting pressure on myself. And actually, I've had the same conversation with Wads today. He said, the only person that's putting pressure on you about this, we're talking about a particular issue, uh, is you. Mm-hmm. And I just laughed because it's something that I've heard all the way through um, my entire life. And I, I guess I would say, try to enjoy things a bit more because I had to work really hard to get on the career ladder and you know to earn the money and you know like and to just to feel like on an even playing field everything was I I was uber stressed about everything all the time I was always I always took everything terribly seriously um outwardly I might have looked very you know like fun and part of the team whatever but everything was always I was always really anxious about bill paying and um it's taken me years even now I'm really even now I've got a little book where I have an incoming outgoing I'm very very (laughs) old-fashioned in terms of I actually write down my incomings and outgoings every month but that just gives you an inkling as to you know how how tough things have been in the past but um so for me it's really important to still do that because it makes me feel secure so I think my my advice to back to me back then would be just to try and enjoy it a bit Mm. more because you're going to have some wonderful experiences and meet some wonderful people and I think that would probably be the same for others I would say um build your network do work hard but find your purpose and what did you say find Mm. your light you know work out what makes you happy so one of the things that I teach uh and it goes against kind of what society's expectations are and and people find it really difficult at first and then understand a bit more once we've got into the the nitty-gritty of it but um society basically dictates so I'll, I'll give you an example of someone setting up a business I've got I've got without giving any names a lovely lovely bright entrepreneurial lady who I'm working with and she's set up a business and um you know she's she's got an awful lot of she's got loads of success she's brilliant she's bringing in the work but she's also got small kids and it's that awful balance between do I just keep bringing the business because I want to scale the business or but I want to be a really good mum and how do I how do I balance that and I guess the question, the, the the thing is, you can you can do it all, but you don't have to do it all in one go. So this is where it comes back to what your priorities are. So I, what I would say is, you don't have to do it all in the way that society dictates. You know, you don't have to have, you know, the big career. I remember moving out of um, the city when I set my business up, and I no longer felt the pressure because I wasn't seeing the same people to have the big car, the big house, the, the suit. None of which I really had. All I always felt I was an imposter because it just wasn't me. Got straight into jeans. So I think I would say is find the things that make you happen and create, create the lifestyle around that. So if that means that perhaps career priorities have to come mm. behind, that's all right. That's all right. You can still have a successful mm. business. It doesn't have to you know be in the top PR week 150 in the first couple of years you know that can come later you have yeah. that option just work out what matters to you right now and be led by your beliefs your value system because that's what will make you happy ultimately well lovely I think that's a perfect way to end <laughs> right there I mean thank you so much uh, for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you I just if there's anything uh, extra you'd like to add before before we say goodbye no, that's great. I just say it's been a wonderful chat. We've gone 
around a lot of different we big have, topics yeah. I hope I've done them justice and uh, that people find something useful within that um obviously people if, they, if anybody's got any questions mm-hmm. or um there's something they want to take issue with or they are just intrigued by then you can find me as Mrs underscore wads on Twitter but I'm I'm easily found anyway but it's been wonderful to talk to you and, and uh, a lot of time for you guys in Milk and Honey so thank you so much thank you so much that's it that's the show if you're still listening thank you we hope you enjoyed it and found something useful that can help you on your career journey we appreciate any feedback or thoughts you might have so if you want to get in touch please email us on untickthebox at milkandhoneypr.com or reach out via any of milk and honey social media channels see you next time on untickthebox